Just be moved with your spirit, Lord. Help us to not spend uh, more time here than we need to. But Lord, help us to be able to to learn uh, the, the truth from Scripture tonight. And Lord, not only to learn it or understand it, but that we would all uh, seek to apply it in our lives. We love you, Father. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. Alright, well, we're there in 1 Timothy chapter 4. And as we talked about uh, before, uh, a couple weeks ago, we started a series on character. And, uh, you know, the, the, the first sermon or the first lesson was entitled, What is Character? And we saw from the Bible that character, when we say the word character, what we mean by that is character is self-discipline, self-denial, and self-control. Character is what a person develops in order to, be a, to accomplish the things in life that they would like to accomplish. Character is what helps you live a godly life. Character is what helps you live a successful life. Last week, if you remember last Sunday night, we talked about character and habits. And how your habits are either good habits and you need to learn character principles to break those bad habits. And you need character principles to develop good habits. Tonight, I want to talk about how to develop character. How to develop character. And you got to understand this, okay? You say, well, Pastor Menace, why, why would you preach a whole series on Sunday nights on the subjects of character? You need to understand this. My job as a pastor, my goal is that anybody who comes to this church for any uh, length of time, anybody that, that becomes, you know, is just part of the ministry of Verity Baptist Church, our job is to help you become better. And, and you know, it's not just to teach you the Bible, it's to help you become more spiritual, it's to help you become more right with God, it's to help you get sin out of your life, but more than that, it's to help you be successful in life. We, we want you to be successful in every area of your life. God wants you to be successful in every area of your life. But you need to understand that most of the times that we fail and most of the times that we don't accomplish the things we set out to accomplish is because of a lack of self-discipline, a lack of self-denial, a lack of self-control. It's just a lack of character. And my job really is to try to instill or teach you the lessons of character, not just you, but myself, so that we can do and be everything that God has called us to be. Now, here's what you need to understand about character. Character can be developed like a muscle. If you're, if you're there in First Timothy chapter 4, like verse 7, the Bible says, But refuse profane and old wise fables, and, notice this phrase, exercise thyself rather unto godliness. The Bible there is using a terminology of like working out, doing an exercise, developing a muscle. But notice, notice verse, uh, the, the verse 6 right above it, 1 Timothy 4, 6. He says, uh, 1 Timothy 4, 6 says, uh, I'm sorry, verse 7. But refuse profane and old wife fables, exercise thyself rather than to godliness. Verse 8. For bodily exercise profited little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having the promise of life that now is, and of that which is to come. So the, the equation that he's saying there is, look, just like you can exercise your body, just like you can exercise your muscles, just like you can develop muscle uh, strength, he says, exercise thyself rather unto godliness. And you got to understand this. If you're going to be godly, if you're going to have godliness, if you're going to have things in your life that, that are like God or are like God wants you to be, and you you understand, God, God said this, be holy for I am holy. God wants us to be like Him. So if you're going to develop godliness in your life, you're going to develop godliness through developing character. You say, what is godliness? Godliness is reading your Bible every day. 
You say, well, is godly just reading your Bible every day? You know, just, just, just that action of reading your Bible will make you godly? I'm not saying that physically reading your Bible will make you godly, but I'm saying this, if you don't read your Bible every day, you're not godly. If you don't read your Bible every day, you're not right with God. If you don't pray, you're not right with God. If you skip out on church, you're not right with God. If you don't tithe, you're not right with God. If you don't go soul winning, you're not right with God. Because God commands you to do those things. You say, well, it's hard to do those things. But you can do them if you develop character. So so he says, exercise thyself rather unto godly. He says, you can develop the spiritual muscle to be able to do the things that God has called you to do. Go go to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. Keep your finger there in 1 Timothy or your bulletin or something there. Because we're going to come back to it at the end of the, uh, the message. And tonight, honestly... Um, you know, I'm tired, you're tired, my, I'm, I'm like losing my voice or something. I don't want to be very long, but I want, I want you to grasp this lesson so we can go through it as quickly as possible. Hebrews chapter number 5, look at verse number 14. Hebrews 5.14 says this. And here it's talking about reading the Word. But notice what it says. These, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. Even those who by, notice what it says, reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. He says, look, you can use the Bible and read the Bible and begin to exercise yourself. And he says, exercise thyself rather unto godliness. I want you to understand this. Character and godliness, which you get through character, can be developed like a muscle. Now understand this. You're there in Hebrews 5, right? Look at Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Exercise, as many of you probably already know, is very difficult. And it doesn't feel good. Hebrews chapter 12, look at verse 11. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. Hebrews 12, 11 says, says this. Now the chastening. Now the word chastening there, it means God is coming. You know, chastening is what a, a, a father or a mother does to their disobedient children. It's this disciplining them. It's teach. It's correcting them. Okay. It's getting a spanking. Now, now I know. I know some of you are kind of spoiled, and you didn't get spankings growing up. Okay. But those of you that did get spankings growing up, okay, is uh, is getting a spanking like a fun thing, something you look forward to. Just like yes, dad is coming home and he's gonna grab the belt and give me what I deserve. Okay. A chasing's not fun, right? Now, notice this. Now, no chastening. For the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Is grievous a good thing or a bad thing? That's a bad thing. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are, notice this, exercised thereby. So see, here God equates exercising to getting a spanking. Now here's the thing. He says, look, when you're getting chastened, it's grievous. It's not joyous. It's not fun. You don't like it. It doesn't feel good. But when it's done, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Here's what he's saying. You exercise, it's not fun. You don't like it. It doesn't feel good. But then you get the results and the results are strength. The results are a good thing. Are you you following what I'm saying? Just like physical exercise. Tomorrow morning, some of you are going to develop a little bit of character, and your alarm clock's going to go off, and you're going to get up in the morning, you're going to put on your running shoes, you're going to put on your you know, jogging shorts or whatever, make sure they're uh, modest, you know. You're going to put on your shirt, you're going to go out there and run your 
you know, quarter of a mile or whatever you run. And you're going to get done and you're going to be, you know, feeling like you're going to throw up and it's not going to feel good. But you know what? You keep doing that over and over and over again and, and you start losing that weight, you start feeling good. Hey, it, it, it gives you something good, right? There's a fruit. In, so here's the thing. Exercise doesn't feel good, but it produces something good. And here's the thing. Not only should you exercise physically, okay, but more importantly than that, the Bible says bodily exercise profiteth little. Now, it doesn't say it profiteth nothing. It says it profits a little bit, okay? It says bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Alright? So we ought to develop ourselves spiritually. Go to Matthew 26, real quickly. Matthew 26. The result of exercise is spiritual strength. So what's the problem? The problem is you're too weak. The problem is I'm too weak. We need to develop our spiritual muscle. Go to Matthew 26, look at verse 41. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41. Matthew 26, 41, the Bible says, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. Now notice what Jesus says. He says, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know, there are people that left church this morning walking out the door with every intention to be back tonight. The spirit truly was willing, but you know what? The flesh was weak. There was people that started the month of January, and if you're in this crowd, I'm not trying to pick on you, I'm just giving an illustration. There's people that started the month of January with every intention to read the New Testament in the month of January. The spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. See, we got to understand that the problem with character is that we have not strengthened it, we have not exercised it, we have not developed it in our lives. Okay? All of that was introduction. Let me give you two biblical ways, two great ways to develop character. If you were to say, you know, I, I, I need to uh, uh, develop some physical muscles, you may go to a trainer and they're going to tell you, okay, I got the perfect exercise for you. Do this, you know. I don't know what it is, okay? I don't like exercising. I, uh, I did enough exercising in the Air Force. You know, I'm good for another five years. But, uh, you know, they're going to tell you, you want to develop upper body strength? Do these exercises. You want to develop, you know, whatever, do this. They're going to give you exercise. I want to give you two exercises, two spiritual exercises tonight to develop character in your life. You say, Pastor Jimenez, I want to develop character. I struggle with disciplining myself. I struggle with controlling myself. I struggle with, with, with having character in my life. There are two exercises the Bible gives us that you can do to develop your spiritual muscle. Number one, go to Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter number 16. What can I do to develop character in my life? Romans chapter number 16. We're going to go through this quickly. Romans 16. Romans chapter 16. What can you do to develop uh, character? Two spiritual exercises. Number one, fasting. Fasting in your life will develop a character in your life. Are you in Romans chapter 16? Actually, you know what? I'm so, keep your finger there in Romans 16. Go to Matthew chapter 4 real quick. Matthew chapter 4. I think you were just in Matthew. I apologize. Matthew chapter 4. 
Look at verse number 2. There are so many verses on fasting, and I'm not preaching a sermon on fasting. One of these days, I need to preach a sermon on fasting and just go through and explain to everybody what fasting is and how it works. I'm not really preaching on fasting tonight, but I, I, I want you to notice just one thing about fasting, okay? Just, just to get the definition from the Bible, Matthew chapter 4, verse 2, the Bible says, And when he, talking about Jesus, had fasted 40 days and 40 nights... Look what it says, he was afterward in hunger. So just to make sure everybody's on the same page. Spiritual fasting or biblical fasting is when you go a uh, uh, time without eating food. Okay? Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Um, that, and that's just one fast. There's, you know, I'm not saying you need to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. In fact, I would highly discourage you from doing that if you have not spent much time fasting in the past, okay? But Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights. In the Bible, you find fasts that are 7 days, you find fasts that are 3 days, you find fasts that are 1 day. So there are, all, there are all sorts of different time frames of fasting. But here's what fasting is. is when you take a time to say, I'm not going to eat Physically, I'm going to spend this time just not eating and praying and devoting this time to God. And sometimes fasting can also exclude not drinking water. Although again, you know, just keep in mind that your body can't go more than three days without water. It will die. Alright? You can go up to 40 days without eating. But you got to be drinking water. And I, I believe Jesus was drinking water here. Because it says, when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. He was hungry. If he hadn't drank water for 40 days, he would have been thirsty. Alright? So, but um, fasting, I just want you to understand this. Fasting is going a time without food. Okay? Now, go back to Romans 16. You say, well, how does that develop character? Romans 16. you got to understand what fasting is about. Most people think fasting is this. Okay? Like, I really want something from God. So I'm going to fast, and that means God's going to give it to me. Okay? That is wrong. That's what most people associate fasting as. Like, like you know, I'm not going to be able to pay my mortgage this, you know, this month, so I'm just going to pray and fast, and God's going to, gonna, uh, you know, just give me the money. Okay? They think fasting is like doing a little extra to show God that, like, wow, you know, be impressed with me. That is not the purpose of fasting. You say, what's the purpose of fasting? Are you there in Romans 16? Look at verse 18. The Bible says this, For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the context is about false prophets, false teachers, false Christians that are not serving Jesus Christ. This is the, you know, the, the just, you know, the preacher that gets up, the positive only messages, the guy that doesn't say anything negative, never mentions sin, never mentions hell, never mentions anything, you know, me. This guy, you know, just just wants to get as many people to come to church and praise the Lord, we, we want as many people to come to church, but not at the expense of truth. Do you understand that? We'd rather preach truth to a crowd of a few people than preach lies to thousands of people. Okay? So, but this guy, he just wants to, you know, he doesn't want to say anything controversial. He doesn't want to preach the whole counsel of God. He doesn't want to be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, reprove, uh, rebuke. He doesn't want to do anything. He just wants to smile and, and, and make you feel good. And, and, and he's just a guy that's just itching your ears, scratching your ear. Alright? Now notice what it says, Romans 16 and 18. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but here's who they do serve. Their own, what's that say? Belly. belly. Let's say that together. Their own belly. belly. Why does the Bible say, that was kind of weak. Let's say it again. Their own belly. Alright, wake up and we'll get out of here quickly, alright? For they that are 
such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ but their own belly and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple and by the way that's the average pastor in America today by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple that's right. Amen. these guys are not serving Jesus they're serving their own bellies now you gotta understand this go to Philippians chapter 3 the Bible often equates our belly with fulfilling our desires. These guys aren't serving Jesus Christ. Who are they serving? Themselves. They don't want to preach a negative sermon because they want a big offering. Because they want a big paycheck. Because they want to drive the fancy vehicle. Because they want to wear the fancy suits. Because they want to have, you know, they just, to them, church is a business. And if you keep people happy, you keep people going, you keep people giving, then, then my life is going to be better. They're not really interested in serving Jesus Christ. They're interested in one thing, fulfilling the lust of their flesh. Now you got to understand this, okay? The Bible equates our belly... To someone who's trying to fulfill his life. Because what does your belly do when you wake up in the morning? And it's growling. It's desiring what? Food. Our stomachs, naturally, we just have this desire of food. And you got to understand this. The belly often represents in scripture the desires of our flesh. Are you there in Philippians chapter 3? Look at verse 19. Again, talking about false Christianity, Philippians 3.19 says, Whose end is destruction, look what it says, Who God, Whose God is their, what's that say? Belly. Let's say it again together. Whose God is their belly. So you see, there are people who serve their belly, not God. There are people, we saw in Romans, who serve their belly, not the Lord Jesus Christ. And whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. And I'm here to tell you, every time an individual fornicates, you know what they're doing? Serving their belly. Their desires. Every time someone takes drugs, what are they doing? Serving their bellies. Their desires. Every time a man gets in front of a computer and looks at pornography, what are they doing? Serving their belly. Their desires. The belly represents the desires of our flesh. What is fasting? Not fulfilling the desire of your flesh. See, you got to understand. You say, well, well, fasting is like this, this, this uh, you know, magic key that I turn in, and then God pours out His blessing. Go to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. Here's what fasting does. You decide that for a certain amount of time, you are not going to fulfill the desires of your body not, it's not an ungodly desire to want to eat. But you say, I'm going to tell my body, no. I'm going to control myself. I'm going to discipline myself. I, I, I'm, not, I'm going to deny myself for a certain amount of time. I'm giving God, you know, this, this 24-hour period. I'm giving God this 3-hour period. I'm giving God this 7-day period. And I'm not going to fulfill the desires of my flesh, the desires of my belly. And I'm just going to sit there and just tell myself no and, and pray to God. Here's what you got to understand. What that does, it doesn't lock a key somewhere that makes God you know just answer your prayers but what it does it teaches you how to deny your flesh if you can if you can get yourself to not eat for three days guess what you can get yourself to not take alcohol for three days you understand that you say I'm really struggling with this sin if you can get yourself to not eat for seven days you can get yourself to not look at pornography if you say, I'm really struggling with getting up in the morning. Look, if you can get yourself to not eat for, for, for 24 hour period, you can probably get yourself to roll out of bed. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you develop, when you just keep yourself from
from being able to think, which is a godly thing that God says to do. Hey, what it does is it teaches you to tell your body, no, you're not in control, flesh. I know you're hungry, but we're not going to fulfill your desires. I know you're starving, but we're going to discipline ourselves. I've committed myself. We're not going to do... And what fasting does, it develops character in your life. And what are you denying? What did we read in those two passages? You're denying your what? Belly. Right? Because these guys, they don't serve the Lord Jesus Christ. They serve their own belly. They don't serve God. They serve their own belly. Go to John chapter number 7. John chapter number 7. Now you got to understand this about fasting. And while you turn there, let me give you a couple things to think about. Number one, scientifically, you know, people like to say like, uh, fasting is not, you know, a healthy thing. Let me tell you something. The science is wrong, you know, and, and they're coming around to realizing that they are wrong about that. Because there, there used to be a big thing where people say like, fasting is wrong, you know, you're going to put yourself in starvation mode. It's actually pretty healthy to fast from time to time. It's not going to kill you to skip a meal from time to time. In fact, it'll probably help you out physically. It'll clean out your system. It'll help you to just control yourself. You know, let's be honest. We live in the United States of America. Some of us eat too much. You could go without eating a meal. It's totally healthy. Now, I will say this. If you haven't done a lot of fasting in the past, don't take on a 40-day fast, please. (laughs) You know, you say, Pastor, I want to start fasting. You know, I would probably start with fasting a meal. Just say, you know... Tuesday, I'm going to take my one-hour lunch break, and instead of eating, I'm going to spend an hour praying. Hey, wouldn't that be good? You know, just fast a meal. After you've done that a while, maybe you can fast, do a 24-hour fast, you know, a three-day fast, however long you want to take it. But you got to understand this, okay? Are you there in John chapter 7? Look at verse 37. In John chapter 7, verse 37. In John 7, 37, the Bible says, In the last day, the great day of the feast... Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his... What's that word say? Belly. belly. Let's, let's say that together. Out of his belly. Out of his belly what? Shall flow rivers of living water. Now you got to understand this, okay? Get the context. Look at verse 39. But this he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not his girlfriend. You got to understand, we're reading John chapter 7. Jesus has not died yet. Jesus has not been buried yet. He has not resurrected yet. He has not ascended yet. He has not given the believers at this time the Holy Spirit. So you got to get the context. The Holy Spirit is not indwelling every believer like it now does to us. But what he's, Jesus is talking about the fact that there's coming a day that the Holy Spirit is going to indwell people. And he's going uh, and, and to flow. And he says, out of his shall flow rivers of living water. Now we saw already that the belly often represents the desires and the lust of our flesh, the desires of our body. So guess what you do when you deny your belly? You allow the Spirit to flow through you. Do you understand that? You see, fasting has more to do with you than it does with God. People get this idea, I'm going through this really hard time, so I'm going to fast and God's going to change things. No, fasting is to change you, not to change God. God doesn't need to change. God doesn't have the problem. You do. And what fasting does is it teaches you to deny your flesh. It teaches you to deny your your, your desires. It teaches you. So here's the thing. If you can tell your
yourself, I'm not going to eat for lunch today. I'm going to get on my knees for one hour. I'm going to discipline myself to just get on my knees and pray for one hour. That is character. And you'll begin to develop character in your life. Now, you got to understand this. Fasting will bring the power of God on your life. Go to Matthew 17. But it's not because you impress God with your fasting. It's because as you minimize yourself, God can be exalted in your life. As you deny your flesh, the Bible says, if we walk in the Spirit, we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So as you allow the Spirit to flow through your belly, because you're denying your belly, then the power of God will be evident on your life. Matthew 17, look at verse 14. Matthew 17, verse 14. Matthew 17, 14 says, And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, why could not we cast him out? So you understand the context. The disciples have been casting out all sorts of demons, all sorts of devils. They bring this child, and they're unable to cast him out. The father goes to Jesus, hey, I took him to your disciples. They weren't able to get the job done. Can you do it? Jesus says, of course I can. I can do anything. He casts out the devil. The disciples come to Jesus and they say, why couldn't we do it? Look at verse 20, Matthew 17, 20. And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief. See, they didn't have enough faith to do what they were supposed to do. Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence yonder a place, and it shall be removed, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. How be it, this kind goeth out, not, uh, goeth not and fast. Okay, but here's the thing. Why do you need to fast? Because fasting is just the the key that unlocks God's blessings. No. Because fasting changes you. Remember, what did he say was the problem? Verse 20. Because of your what? Unbelief. Who was the problem? They were. They did not have the faith to bring him out. To cast him out. But he said, look, there are going to come... Do you understand that there are going to come situations in your life where you just don't have the faith to do it. And what you're going to have to do is to learn to rely on God. And as you fast and discipline yourself and deny yourself of your desires, and the Holy Spirit begins to flow through you, it will begin to increase faith in your life. And you'll have the power. I'm just here to tell you, there are going to be obstacles in your life. There are going to be things that our church attempts to accomplish. And it's not going to be able to do it without prayer and fasting. If we're going to be a people that is going to accomplish great things for God, we're going to have to learn how to pray and how to fast. You say, Pastor Jimenez, those, those $10,000 that we tried to raise, that was, that was really difficult. I, I was surprised we were able to do it. I, I didn't think we were going to be able to. Look, $10,000 is going to seem like nothing for what we've got ahead of us. Say, I don't know about that. I'm, I'm just telling you, you know, if we're, we're going to be a church that's going to minister to this community and reach the community in the way that we need to do it, it's going to take money. It's going to take work. It's going to take it. You say, I don't have the faith for that. Start fasting. You'll get it. 
Start praying. This kind goes out not goes not out but by prayer and fasting. So you say, Pastor Jimenez, how do we how do we develop character? Here's how you develop character. Number one, you learn to fast. Because as you learn to deny your belly of food, you can then deny your flesh of other sinful lust, other sinful desires. Because fasting is this self control, self discipline, self denial. You say, I don't like that exercise. Okay, go to James chapter 3. Let me give you another one. But here's the thing. If you didn't like that one, you're probably not going to like this one. Because exercise doesn't feel good. Every time that I fast, about halfway through it, I regret that I fasted. Because <laughs> it doesn't feel good. Because you don't like it. But it develops character in your life. James chapter number 3. Exercise number one for developing character in your life, fasting. Learn to fast in your life. You'll develop character. Exercise number two for developing character in your your life is this. Learn to control your tongue. Learn to control your tongue. Say, what are you talking about? Are you there in James chapter 3? Look at verse 3. Behold, we put bits... In the horse's what? Mouth. Do you see that? Let's say that together. We put bits in the horse's mouth. Okay. Is a bit a very large thing compared to a horse? No. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us. And we turn about their whole body. Understand this. A a horse is a huge animal. And he says, you can turn this huge beast by controlling a little part of its body called its mouth. You put a bit in a horse's mouth and you can turn the whole body. Look at verse 4. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm. Whithersoever the governor listens. Again, you look at a ship and you compare the helm to the ship. It's a small part of the ship. But it controls where that ship goes. Verse 5. Even so, or in the same way, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. you got to understand this. The tongue according to the Bible, can be used to control your whole body. That's what the Bible says. Did we just read that? Here's the problem with that. Most people cannot control their tongue. Look at verse 6. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth, look what it says, the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body. The whole body is defiled by the tongue. And setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of bird, and of serpent, and of things in the sea, is tamed, and have been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made in the similitude of God. He's saying, look, people have their mind, their, their people's tongues are in control. One moment they're using their tongue to praise God, praise the Lord, hallelujah, I mean God is good, and then they step out of 
the church building and there's like blankety blank this, blankety blank that. I can't believe that preacher got this. <laughs> Look at verse 10. Out of the same mouth proceedeth, blo- proceedeth blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things are not so to be. You ought to control your tongue. You ought to control your mouth. You ought to control the things that come out of your mouth. But you got to send this. For most people, the tongue is out of control. Verse 11. Does the vow to send forth the same, the same place, sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, uh, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. He said, look, a, a, a fountain can't yield salt water and fresh water. He said, he said a tree can't, can't produce two types of fruit. He said, and your tongue should only produce one thing, good things. He said, your tongue, you shouldn't use your tongue to bless God and then curse men. You shouldn't use your tongue to, you know, uh, you give flattery to someone and then talk behind people's back. He said, you got to learn to control your tongue. Now, you guys said, most people do not control their tongue. If you don't believe me, I'll tell you the guys we're having lunch today. If you don't believe me, just join the ministry. <laughs> I mean, it, it worked out perfect today for me because um, of my sermon type. I mean, just, I'll tell you the guys. I told them, I'm going to use it as an example tonight. Just, just this morning... Some lady, I mean, I'm not even going to tell you what she said because it's not important, but I mean, some lady, I mean, said the rudest thing I have ever heard anybody say to anyone. Just this morning to my wife, some lady in church just said the rudest thing. And like, and here's the worst wife, she doesn't even think it's rude. And I mean, constantly people are just like, you know, when you're a pastor, you're a pastor's wife, you just get used to just people just telling you like the most awful thing. You know, and I'm not telling you this to make you feel bad. You know, this this is what I found about this is what I found about ministry. Let me tell you what I've learned about ministry. People usually give you way more honor and respect before you've earned it, and then they just like stab you in the back and hate you before you really deserve it. You know, so I just like enjoy it while it's good, and you know, forget about it when it's bad. You know what I mean? Because people just, but I mean, here's here's what I've learned: most people cannot control their tongue. You know, you say, well, what do you do when somebody somebody walks up to you after service and just tells you just the meanest, rudest thing? What do you do? Just smile and say, God bless you. I won't see you again. <laughs> but here's the, here's the thing. Look at verse, go back to verse 3. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, with which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whether serve the governor listed. You understand this? If your tongue is out of control, your whole body will be out of control. But if you can learn to tame your tongue, you can learn to tame your whole body. You say, why is that? How does that work? And, and you know, I don't have time to, to go through through all of the verses about tongue. But, but you got to understand this, okay? And when we're talking about the, the tongue, we're not only talking about the words that you say, but also the things that you think in your mind. Because you got to understand this. The, the things you say in your mind will affect the way you think and the way you feel. When somebody says something mean and rude and just is is obnoxious and and mean to you, and you just say to yourself, you know what, I'm just here serving Jesus Christ. If they they revile Jesus, they're going to revile us. Just God bless you. You know what that does for you in your mind? It just makes you just be calm and just be, praise the Lord. But as soon as you're just like, I'm not going to let you talk to me that way. I deserve more than this. You're going to respect me. Then you know what that does? It just makes you have a bad attitude. Because your tongue controls your whole body. Your tongue, and and literally, I mean, you could have just a a horrible, 
you know, weak based on one comment that someone made to you at church. Say, how do you do it? You control your tongue and you'll control your attitude. Control your tongue and you'll control your mind. Control your tongue and you'll control your life. Often, and by the way, often people who do not control their tongues do not control other aspects of their life. You know, it, it's a lack of character. Go back to First Timothy chapter 4. We're done right here. First Timothy chapter 4. Two exercises to develop character. Fasting and controlling your tongue. First Timothy chapter 4, look at verse 7. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. The Bible says, But refuse profane and old wise fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. Here's what you need to understand. When you begin, notice this phrase, But godliness is profitable unto all things. Do you see that? Godliness is profitable unto all things. You say, Pastor Mez, I have a problem with getting up in the morning. How is fasting going to help me with that? Or I have a problem with this bad habit. How is controlling my tongue going to help me with that? I have a problem with, you know, just not being lazy. How, how is, you know, fasting going to help me in that? Here's what you're going to understand. Godliness is profitable unto all things. And when you begin to develop character in one area of your life, you will begin to develop character in every area of your life. You understand that? If you, here's what you need to do. You say, I don't like fasting, I don't like controlling my time. <laughs> I want to just be a rude and a jerk. Okay, well here's the thing. Just pick an area in your life where you like character. You know what it is. I'm going to call them out, but you know what it is. If you struggle with getting up in the morning, you like to sleep in, you know, the alarm goes off and you just stay in bed you, and you don't, you don't rise with the sun, and that's your lack of character, you just, you sleep too much. You know, maybe your lack of character is eating habits. Maybe you eat way more than you need to. Maybe your lack of character is laziness. Maybe you don't get up and go to work. Maybe your lack of character is that you don't show up to church, or you don't read your Bible, or you don't pray, or you have a bad habit. Whatever, you know, everybody knows, and by the way, everybody has lack of character somewhere. None of us are perfect. You know what you struggle with. And if you can just take that, you know, you, let's say it's just, you know, getting up in the morning. If you just attack that, you just, you know, decide, you know what, I'm just going to decide for the next 28 days, the next whatever many days, 21 days, I'm just going to make myself get out of bed 5 a.m. every day and do what you got to do to make that happen. If you got to set up 13 alarm clocks throughout the house, you know, if you, whatever you got to do. Seriously, you think I'm joking, I'm not. You know what, Pastor, you know how I get up at 5 a.m.? I'll tell you exactly how I get up at 5 a.m. My alarm clock is in the bathroom, next to the water, and you know, the night before, I bring a to-do list of everything I gotta do. I, I get up, and when I turn the alarm clock off, the first thing I think to myself, I'm gonna go back to bed. And then I just remind myself, man, I got like 1,700 things to do today. Oh, there's a water. Okay, let's go. Seriously, you think, you, you think I just roll out of bed and I'm just like, oh, good to go. That's not me, man. Whatever your area is, whatever you're lacking character in. I'm not saying you have to get up at 5 in the morning. I need to get up at 5 in the morning. You do whatever you need to do. I'm just telling you this. Whatever your area is that you need to develop character, just attack that one area. And as you attack that one area, you'll begin to develop character in every area of your life. 
And that's the truth. Because godliness is profitable unto all things. And that's why we need to exercise thyself rather unto godliness. And I promise you, you'll begin to win victories in other areas of life. As you develop character in just one area. So maybe it's fasting for you. Maybe it's controlling your tongue. Maybe it's something else. But start working at it. Start getting better at it. Start doing those spiritual reps. Get strong. And you'll, you'll be surprised how much you accomplish for God. That's why I have to have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Thank you for our church. Lord, I pray that you please bless this lesson, Lord. And, and look, Father, we all need to develop character. I need to develop character in my life. I need to develop self-discipline, self-control, self-denial. Lord, if we're going to do the things that you've called us to do, if we're going to accomplish the things you've called us to accomplish, help us to be a people of character. Lord, I I pray that our church would have a testimony of character. I I, I pray that this community, whether they like us, whether they hate us, that that they would just say, man, those people, man, they, they know how to work. They know how to get out there and knock those doors. They know how to be consistent. They know how to be faithful. Father, I pray that every individual here would choose, would choose a, 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 an area in their life that they can begin exercising for godliness, for character, developing character in one area of life so that we can develop character in every area of our lives. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. I pray that you'd bless us. Help us to be a people that is serious about serving you. We love you, Father. In your precious name I pray. Amen.